0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And on The Stack, we talk about a bunch of books that have come out this week. Let's kick it off talking about Dan Slott's last issue on Fantastic Four. Oh, Fantastic Four, man. number 46, from Marvel, written by Dan Slott, art by Kafu. In this issue, Reed Richards is finally meeting his half-sister and taking her on a tour of the galaxy. This is the end of Dan Slott's story to run on Fantastic Four. How do you think it all wrapped up?
1: Uh, th- it's funny, he do- He really does a tour. He really plays the hits here and um, takes us back. And I-, I like that as a way of being like, here's the stuff I added to the Fantastic Four canon. And he takes us through sort of how he uh, retconned a portion of their origin and invented this whole uh, planet where different people are and uh, expanded the family. It's all about family. He touched on the themes.
2: He hits all the marks, Stan Slap. Pete, what about you? I, How'd you feel about I, this? I, I think he, he does a great job of giving, a, you know, a last hurrah, a good kind of circle around to his high points and kind of just uh, said thanks for a magical journey. And I I was happy that he did it. And it was uh, it was real touching. I, I thought, like, you know, the title lets you know, OK, this is going to be a little bit of a family kind of. Sweet, ah, uh, kind of thing, and I, I loved it. I ate it up. I thought Dan Slott did a great job.
0: Yeah, I'll echo what you guys said, and just add that I think if I writes a really good Reed Richards here, there's a sense with yeah. Reed around his half sister where he's kind of bashful about everything a little bit, which I don't think I've really ever seen from Reed, and it's a nice aspect of the character. I think I'm really going to miss this run, and Kafu, of course, does
1: some good, solid superhero art. It's interesting because I feel like his take on uh, Fantastic Four is it's all about family, but they all come from families that weren't sort of ideal. And mm. uh, th- I think this is what we get with all the Reed stuff is him working to really uh, affirm family in his current life because of what happened to him. And it's he d- uses this the continuity thing uh, with the hate box where he gets infected by the hate box really quick, which is something that's like very old school. Uh, Dan Slott occupies a part of the Marvel Universe that sort of absorbs all of the continuity from every aspect and sort of generates stories that um, really touch on a lot of stuff that other people don't t- touch on.
0: Next up, Tales of the Human Target, number one from DC Comics, written by Tom King, art by Kevin McGuire, Mikhail Janine, Raphael Albuquerque, and Greg Smallwood. Albuquerque! In this issue, as it says from the title, we're getting a couple of different characters that we checked in with throughout the Human Target series telling stories of the Human Target, how that affects the ongoing series, I guess we'll have to see. But what did you think of this one shot?
2: I thought this was really great art, a very cool story, and uh, a a solid package. Uh, Also love the Touching Tim Sale thing that DC is doing right now.
1: Yeah, every month it's another uh, touching thing at the end. Yeah, I know it's yeah. heartbreaking. Um, but well, it's I, as for the well. issue, done well. Um, I love this. I love the human target. I love. I think this is one of Tom King's uh, best titles that he's done over the course. I mean, they're all good, but this one really pops for me because of the sort of James Bondian romance side to it. And he, he gets the human target gets so mad when he everyone's like, "Hey, I'm not dead! I'm I'm the human target!" And it's like, of course, everyone thinks you're the dead guy. You're dressed as him. You're doing. You're. They just died. Like it, it's very funny to me. All the reveals that sort of the you know three quarters of the way through. It's like, chill, human target. You're a human target. It's a tough job. <laughs> well, on the
0: opposite end of spectrum, that was the only thing that irked me a little bit while I was reading it. And it's fine. I understand this is part of the book. But you're reading these different stories that people are telling. And there's a new character we've never seen in each who is being targeted for being a human and i reading it. You're like, it's right there. I don't know. I, I feel like all of these guys might be the human target and perhaps they're telling tales of it perhaps. So the reveal that happens halfway, two thirds of the way through the book, I was like, I know, I know it's the human yeah. target. You don't need to tell me it's the human target, but it's really well structured as is all Tom King stuff. And this is a rogues gallery of artists here, particularly getting Kevin G- McGuire to do some justice league international type yeah. stuff. Very fun. Deadly Class, number 55, from Image Comics, written by Rick Remender, art by Wes Craig. Uh, We are almost at the end here, as Marcus and Maria are taking a vacation with their kids. We're now in 2020, I want to say. And it's almost curtains for them at this point. This is the... The uh, the last issue before the kick of the nuts, as Pete likes to say,
1: <laughs> uh, well, you, guys you, don't feel? Know. you don't know if it's going to be. It's <laughs> Come on. It's oh, sure. Come on.
0: All I'll say is that as Rick Remender continues to get more and more self-reflexive with this, Marcus literally is like, you know, stories like you always think they're going to be happy. And then there's it's more interesting. Yeah. When there's a gut punch right at the end there. Yeah. Wouldn't that be interesting? What do you
1: think? Here's the thing. I think that he's saying that because he's going to finally give this character a happy ending. And like, sure, you could say I'm a sucker. You can say I'm a chump. But you I are. think I think that I think Marcus is the closest especially in this last couple arcs is the closest to a Rick Remender avatar of any of the Rick Remender series, yeah. the way he's talking about personal experience living through COVID and politics and all of that here. It's clear. This is like, like just the curmudgeonly side of Rick Remender. And then we have the bright spot in his partner, the diving in the water. Like I, I love all that. Wait, hold on uh, Pete, just
0: real quick before you talk, I wanted to ask Chuck, do you want to kick this football real quick? (laughs)
1: Yeah, you know what I do And this time, Lucy, I'm kicking that football And you know I have a dream of becoming a place kicker uh, A field goal uh, professional and special teams Uh, And this is my dream So I would appreciate you giving me the practice and reps that I need to achieve my dreams Let's go
2: He, He purposely did this to give it to you again because it's it's not gonna end well we even saw the character who could have saved him just go out on a bender and then you know spoiler something happens at the end which was heartbreaking in itself uh was such an unbelievable you know you're kind of I was worried because we're spending so much time with this happy family. And then I'm like, oh, something's got to fuck it up. It's got to happen per issue. You've got to get at least a couple of fucked up things to happen in Remendra comics. So, uh, yeah, I was kind of uh, I was shocked by the ending. And I and I think that's bad news for the Marcus family, for sure.
1: I love this issue, though, outside of whether I love not this the issue. Book. And um, I feel like it's really hard. A lot of comic creators put their own personal selves and personal opinions in the work in a slightly meta way. But I think it's really hard to then swerve back into the story. And Rick Remender does it perfectly here. And we get that sort of uh, like, oh, Henry twist tag of where a character Makes their own bed, and it's not a nice bed. It's a bed full of spiders. At the end here, um, which is of course sleep on a spider bed. I mean, spider bed.
0: Spider-Bed does whatever a Spider-Bed can. I well, well, just want to give a quick shout-out to Wes Craig's art here, which you. I thought was absolutely phenomenal. I, the, like you're saying, the underwater sequences were gorgeous. His layouts are here. He is leaving it all on the table in these last couple of issues.
1: The art's great, but it's worth it for the writing alone. <laughs> it's, it's beautiful art. beautiful. The Throne in the Sky, number
0: one, for Boom Studios, written by James Tide IV, art by Michael Huyand, Dialinus, Dialinus, I don't know. Anyway, this book is bringing Wind back, this fantastical fantasy world that they've created together. Wind now has his wings, but vampires know about it. There's a big twist at the end here, and we're building out more parts of the world Tell you what, very nice, very refreshing to get back into this world. I missed it. Good first issue.
2: Yeah, agreed. I'm so happy this is back. Uh, Love the wind world. Uh, Amazing art. uh, Really fun storytelling. Great characters. Unbelievable paneling. This, This is a fantastic book. I really like that they took a moment
1: at the top of this issue to sort of take us back, look back at the sort of very beginning of the series before we jump into the current continuity. Um, That was cool. And this is, this to me is James Tynan's sort of uh, weirdest title. It feels, it doesn't have a lot of the same sort of. What? Dude. Are you serious? All the creepy,
2: crazy books that he does, you think this is his weirdest? Well,
1: this to me, like the. This is like just a fantasy story, a fantasy adventure where we're following these characters. So much of his work is like built around like a great premise and then great storytelling and characters through it. This feels like he was like, I'm going to sit down and write a fantasy story that I want to write. And he uh, does it. Um, so, like, I appreciate it. that makes it me feel like this is a very personal story to him uh, because it's something that he's maybe wanted to do for a long time. Uh, it feels like that kind of story that you think of when you're a kid and hold on to until you are a top tier comic book writer and then get to write on your own steam with your own wings. If you think about it, um, so this was this is a fun read,
2: and um, Wait, I like. You're sort of- saying JT4 is the wind beneath our wings. Is that what you just said? He's the wind beneath his own wings is
1: wow. what I'm saying in the wow. book wind by James Tynan and Michael Dial on the Isis. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Why don't we
0: talk about Damage Control Number One from Marvel, written by Adam F. Uh, Goldberg and Hans Rodianoff on Charlotte Fullerton McDuffie, art by Will Robeson and Jay Fosgate? Let's return to the world of Damage Control this time from the creator of the Goldbergs, as well as. A- <laughs> <laughs> other people, obviously um, So, uh, we're getting a big office Weirdness thing going on here As an intern figures out the first day At Damage Control What do you guys think about this?
1: Uh, this strikes Anybody, me, anybody go This for? strikes me I thought Pete was going to have a take real quick This no. strikes me as, as something that maybe These TV folks want to do as a Marvel series um, It does feel like We've been talking about the She-Hulk TV show and Marvel may be um, good at uh, adding comedic elements to their action movies but sort of not really bringing a full-on comedy to the screen, uh, to the TV screen. This could be that um, – I think this uh, there's it's strange how little we understand about damage control. It feels like it's um, it's hard to tell what this organization is, especially in light of damage control appearing in the Miss Marvel TV show, and damage control being normally in the Marvel universe, like basically construction workers and a cleanup crew. And they go to pains in the book to be like, we're not doing that anymore. We have an infinite it department it's like what it reminds me of the and maybe the tv writers being a part of this had me thinking tv it reminded me of a lot of the stuff that we see in loki with the tva Mm -hmm. and i was like where where in the world are we positioning this um there are a lot of heroes involved at damage control which you don't usually have maybe there's another shoe to drop about all of this so i'm curious or maybe just a refillable hey these interns keep fucking up we
2: shall see Pete, I mean, it's it's hard because um, I I love ice cream cake on my birthday, you know. And
1: um, hold on, I'm gonna write that down because you got a birthday coming up, and I'm gonna get you. No, I know, I missed it, but it comes. Here's the thing about birthdays, Pete. Spoiler. There's another one next year. And that next one, I'm bringing you an ice cream cake from where I am to where you are. And it will be soup when I get
2: there. You see, that's what's heartbreaking is, you know, I've had, unfortunately, uh, you know, some mishaps on different birthdays with the ice cream cake. And it's a sensitive issue. And um, sensitive? Yeah, it's a sensitive issue. And it's one of those things where, yeah, um, it's important uh, that you should get ice cream cake on your birthday. If that's what you're, what you're into. And, uh, you know, if that doesn't happen, it's fucking your day's ruined, man. You know what I mean? Let me ask
1: you, Pete, I've known you for a long time. And le- where does ice cream, needing ice cream cake on your birthday, rank in sort of your personality traits or like top tier piece of information? Because I feel like it sounds very important and almost uh, somber and sobering the way you're talking about it. Um, yet here yeah. I know nothing about your
2: need. It's super important. It's uh, it's w- the really the only thing uh, that matters on my birthday is I get to have a nice moment with some uh, Carvel ice cream cake. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Carvel. Here's a new fact we're learning. Oh wow! Is it uh, a cookie puss? Cookie opus? Uh, mm-hmm. Cookie <laughs> opus? Fudgy the whale? Like <laughs> cookie <adult>. opus? I <laughs> uh, <any laughs> yeah. Oh, you're gonna yeah, bust on me? me. I, <laughs> oh, you, I, you, uh, <laughs> I
0: want you to take <laughs> that cake and I want you to piss on it.
1: <laughs> don't spoil what my gift is going to be this year. Oh, a uh, cookie opus.
0: <laughs> <laughs> What's in the code? Oh, I don't want to say, but you know. Um, great. Uh, this has really changed my. I. This struck me a lot like a what the or I guess not bread X or whatever it was back in the day. Those whole like parody books that they used to do at Marvel felt like that a lot. Moving on, Fables number 154 uh, wow, from D.C. Wow, short Comics.
1: take from our guy, oh, Alex.
0: The art was good, and the backup story by Charlotte McDuffie was chaotic in, I think, a good way. But it, it didn't make me laugh that much. That's all. I don't know. Uh, like you were saying, I want to see more of the outside world. Like, I understand there's a different take, but it doesn't seem like they're actually controlling any damage, which maybe is part of the joke, but not quite oh, working for me yet. Yeah. Fables number 154 from DC Comics, written by Bill Willingham, art by Mark Buckingham. We are continuing our story of our little wolf children who are taking their time finding adventures in the woods. Meanwhile, the new, I don't know, Jack of Green Gables or whatever the character is called, Robin Hood type character is doing some stuff and some other stuff is happening. What'd you guys think about this?
2: Uh, Amazing covers, amazing art, just all caps, amazing art here. I mean, I I just love the between the panel stuff. It's just so refreshing to read this book. We read so many comics. The artistry of this book is never lost on me. It's just so nice to pick this book up and read it. Uh, I love how much fun they're having heightening the story. Um, I didn't like the part where it just said, like, I'm just a girl, but I guess I'm not supposed to like that part. But other than that, um, yeah, just absolutely balls. I,
1: I just feel like the, the Willingham Buckingham team, the way that they've just been able to jump right back into this team book ham. is the ham team, yeah. uh, the double hams, the double hams, which is what yeah, my ham order. Squared. My order. I'm at on my birthday. When I demand uh, two hams Not just one, but two <laughs> hams. No, two. <laughs> <I got> two, <laughs> two
0: hams Well, you have a birthday coming up So I'm going to write that down Because nice. we'll see what happens
1: um, The fact that they've been able to just pick up And deliver on this Seamlessly This is Fables, it feels like just the next issue came out which was uh, many many years ago and to, to be able to pick up with the characters and the tone and really have it continue to deliver is awesome and just there there's a whole section where the different animals in the kingdom are just having a go around on like the word abyss which was just like funny and only fables can hit that sort of level of dumb wordplay type comedy
0: Public Domain number 3 from Image Comics by Chip Zdarsky. In this issue, our main characters are going to bat with the pseudo-Marvel at the center of this story. They are potentially suing for control of a main character here, sort of like a Superman, Captain America-type thing. But there's a bunch of twists, and a big twist at the end here that really changes the direction (coughs) I thought the series was going in. I continue to love this. It's very inside baseball, but I... I don't know. I like inside this baseball. This is baseball I'm a fan of. So I'm digging this issue. Chip Zdarsky is great. It's great to see him on art. It's funny,
2: it's heartfelt, good stuff. So you like <laughs> being inside of a baseball as well. Let you're
1: me saying. ask you, Alex, do you, the term inside baseball, I know you're you are an yeah, yeah. insider in a lot of industries. Baseball's not one of them. Do you think the term inside baseball is about being inside a baseball? <laughs> like, you're like, wow, what goes on inside a baseball? Well, I'll never know. Say,
0: inside a, uh, outside of a baseball, my best friend is a good book. Inside of a baseball,
2: it's too hard to read. Well, oh, wow. <laughs> uh, anyways, this is really funny. I really it's to be love a dog. the. It's a Groucho the, March joke. Yeah, 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 it's great. Uh, I really love the uh, the tattoo <laughs> wow. bit in the beginning. Really hilarious, great opening, uh, fun dad moment where you know uh, you know he's going to step up and hurt some people. So uh, the I, I'm enjoying the twists and pl- turns and how things are kind of unfolded. I'm excited to see where it goes. Great art. This is a solid book, man.
1: Uh, yeah, I like this, too. I mean, the tattoo stuff, I was like, "That's those are permanent marks on people's bodies, guy. That's not nice.
2: Oh, come uh, on, dude. It's not, it's, you know, nobody's really getting hurt. It's a comic, bro.
1: Oh, nice. <laughs> oh, okay.
0: I'm going to say that to you the next <laughs> time we talk about an X-Men book.
1: Which is coming All up out. Yeah, out. yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Um, but I, I also like this book. We talked about this book at the, at its jump based on the premise being like, how are they going to keep this going? Because it feels like it's just a sort of one premise pony. Um, but I I do like the reveal at the end. It's, (laughs) it's beyond that already. And the fact that the turn is coming really feels like a way they've been able to uh, pull their characters together, um, in a fun way. And, um, I'm looking forward to this book.
0: Uh, I've been stuck in an elevator in Hollywood, a place I often frequent, with the run one-premise pony off it, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, this is the same premise you pitched me in the elevator the last time, so calm down, one-premise pony. It's very hard to say. Book of Shadows, number two, from Valiant Comics, written by Cullen Budd, art by Vicente Quifentes. (laughs) Oh, boy. uh, Taking all the magical (laughs) (laughs) characters. Oh, my God. (laughs) Cookie opus. Cook yeah. okay. oh my cookie a face great uh but take all the magical characters of the Valiant universe mixing them together against a dude with a skull for a face take it away
2: boys well <laughs> i i make I, them I, away toys i'm uh i'm a fan of the shadow man so i'm enjoying this book for sure I think i'm a fan some- of the shadow man i'm a fan <laughs> of the shadow man yeah, uh, I like this team. It's a fun team up. I'm I'm hoping they win. Uh, interesting choice Oof, to run yeah. away. I'll see if this tactic uh, ends up being good for them or bad. But uh, I'm I'm having a blast with this. Now,
0: this is the first comic book I've ever read. Do the heroes usually win or, <laughs> or
1: what? <won>?
2: I, <laughs> I guess you're going to be in suspense. Um, for it's this an guy, interesting but- move to be like, hey, uh, let's run away. <laughs>
1: uh yeah but it works out i think does it i mean i think it will stay tuned um i i like a lot of these characters i like the sort of classic 90s comic feel of Mm, this um and it it delivers on some stuff that look it it feels like a valiant comic specifically from the 90s so i think hitting that tone is is hard and these characters do they're a super team we're sort of like you can tell they, like, don't know each other very well in a weird yeah. way. And they're, like, sort of grinding on each other a little bit. Um, and th- this one character, uh, Punk Mambo is her name? Yeah. Mambo I'm, number yeah. punk? Blady, Blady Smith Black Punk Mambo. <laughs> Just stop. <Yeah. laughs> Just stop talking. Um, I, I like that character a lot. I like the, the energy she brings to it. Sweet.
0: Axe, Judgment Day number three from Marvel, written by Karen Gillan, art by Valerio Sheedy. The combined forces of some of the Eternals and some of the Avengers have resurrected Avengers Mountain in order to save the X-Men from an attack by the other Eternals. But oopsie-daisy, the Eternal decided, uh, excuse me, the Celestial decided to judge all of humanity individually which is what we're dealing with this issue as the Eternals continue to attack the X-Men. So lots of stuff going on here. I'll say up front, I continue to be very mixed about this crossover, even though I like parts of it. The thing that I particularly like of this issue is the thing I liked in the last issue is giving a ground-level view of what regular people in the Marvel Universe think about these enormous events is awesome. And I almost wish this whole event was leading into a Marvels style thing of... What does this mean if a Celestial comes down and judges everybody? Mm. Because the rest of it is a lot. It feels like it's doing that very crossover thing of giving a broad wash of what's happening so they can flesh it out in a bunch of other ancillary issues and one shots and spinoffs and things like that. So the art is good. The writing is good. But I don't know. I'm not quite getting enough out of this crossover right now personally.
1: I agree with you. I don't think we have a lot of time with really any of the characters. Mr. Sinister sort of gets a fair amount of play here, and um, that character sort of comes through. But otherwise, it's just a wash of everyone being like, wait, wait what are we doing? Oh, no. Oh, this is bad. And it's like, oh, here, we got a plan. That was the wrong plan. And so it's a little bit of a lot of that. Um, Captain America, though, being judged with a big thumbs down. Bummer. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's trying hard out there. Um, what I do like about it is it does to me feel unlike other crossovers in that we're sort of getting the narrator perspective of the problem, uh, sort of just seeing it from almost that like uh, a character who's on the reader's shoulder being like, oh, this part's sort of messed up. Watch, here's how they're going to mess it up uh, going forward. So I just hope we do get into some more of the specific characters because I like a lot of the stuff that's happening here. I just don't have any time with the characters to really enjoy it.
2: Yeah, I agree with all that. Um, I, I kind of feel like the Celestial in the first panel there where he lands, he's like, eh, um, you know, he's not sure how to judge. He's like, meh, I don't know. It's, it's got some good parts, but I'm not sure yet. Uh, and I, I thought it was also a little weird where, like, uh, Cyclops is, like, getting things explained to him, like, well, listen, you're going to team up with the Deviants because you're kind of a piece of shit, so we're we're on the same side now. <laughs> Uh, what an so,
1: interpretation of the text, Pete! Uh, you never fail to peed up your observations. Well, thank you.
2: Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I guess I'm uh, like the year. I'm going to hold my judgment till the end here. But um, nope, that's uh, the, not what you're
1: doing. You're, <laughs> you came in you're, uh, judgment.
2: I, I but the the art is great. The Swamp Thing, number
0: 16, from DC Comics, written by Ram V, art by Mike Perkins. This is the final issue of this book, as Swamp Thing goes directly for Machine Thing, or whatever we're calling this dude that he's fighting against. There's a lot of stuff that's coming together here, and we do get Ram V and Mike Perkins' final statement, for now, I guess, on Swamp Thing. I've loved this series, but what did you guys think about it, and how it wrapped up? Pete, you Uh, raised your little... Yeah, I
2: wanted, I wanted to jump in here. Um, first off, again, amazing covers. Crazy cool story. I really love this story. I, um, you know, classic Swamp Thing, you know, little spoilers here, but, you know, that guy, at the end of the day, just likes strapping people in really old trees. You know what I mean? Like, it's mm. his move he's mm. been doing since 71, and he's going to keep it going. Uh, but the art is classically trained bananas good. I mean, this is just amazing, trained. amazing kind of swamp thing art that you want. You want a little tripped out. You want it a little weird. You want it to feel very earthy and, and amazing. And yeah, I mean, some of these panels in here are just unbelievable. So worth it for the art alone.
1: I will say um, on the idea that he traps people in trees, if instead of the tree, he trapped them in the new Tesla Cybertruck, Would you think that was <laughs> weird? A little I'm off, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'm going
0: to, I don't know if I'm actually siding with Pete or not here, but I'm going to side with Pete a little bit here because Swab Thing is like the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers of DC comic book heroes, where you watch wow. an entire episode of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and you're like, Oh God, we're losing against this giant monster. What are you doing? You're watching the episode. And you're like, Turn into the giant robot. Turn into the giant (laughs) robot. Use the sword. What are you doing? What are you doing? Why are we doing this every single time? You already know this. Start with that. Don't end with that. Don't be like, oh, gosh, we're losing for 30 minutes. Jump to the robot already. And it's the same thing with Swamp Thing where he's like, oh, God, what do I do? How do I beat this unbelievable enemy? I have an idea. I'll turn them into a tree. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, well, to be fair, Swamp Thing is short for do the Swamp Thing. Go do the swamp thing with the tree. Uh, Do it. Um, But I I like I like I all like this run. I've really enjoyed the way it approached.
2: Legendary run for sure.
1: So much so that you get a full panel spread of the swamp thing with arms outstretched, being like, "What up? I just did the swamp thing." (laughs) Later, like he he has almost. I want walk off music for um, the team on this (laughs) swamp thing because I actually think the statement sort of on the last page like hey uh looking yourself in the mirror every day and thinking you're a good person is sort of what everybody is all we can ask for in life i thought was a very non-swamp thing walk away line and so that was cool i i all joking aside, I really
0: like this run as well. Mike Perkins, in particular, has been the standout here. His Killer. art is so detailed, and the inking is so dark on his pencils as well. But without uh, sacrificing clarity, it's really, really well done. Next up, Rogues Gallery number two from Image Comics, Store, by Hannah Rose May and Declan Shalvey, art by Hannah, Ro- written by Hannah Rose May, art by Justin Mason. The first issue of this book presented a I want to say Ruby Rose type character who quits there go. her CW type wow. TV show. A bunch of fans get super upset. They find out she has the first issue of the comic, the TV show is based on Decide to dress up as the villains for the show and Rob it. And at the end of the last issue, she jumps out and she's like, Oh hell no. And starts attacking them Wild yeah. cliffhanger, very eager to pick that up. Instead, this issue rewinds back and shows us the main character of the show, what led her to quit and gives us an insider to her character I thought this was such a smart decision that I did not see coming. Love this issue way more into the series, even than I was at the first issue. This is great
2: hell yeah i i agree i think it was just such a great step up from the last issue of just amping things up exploring more seeing kind of the side of the the star you know who lives in this great place and you think has everything made and is just can just walk through life and you know they got it so easy it was great to see what they go through it was It was really cool, just other side to the story and super important. And uh, yeah, I'm glad we got to see it. Yeah, I agree.
1: Jumping back and giving us um, her side, I thought was great, especially when I was a little uncomfortable with being on the uh, thieves side because they were very aggressive. (laughs) Oh, come on, man. Not very understanding, so no, to see. No, they're very uh,
0: like angry. Not to call ourselves out, but they're like angry YouTube bloggers, you know. So yeah. being on that side, well, you call being it a on blogger, blog... motherfucker. Okay, whatever uh, vloggers. There you go. Is that better? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, Pete's very plugged you. in. You gotta check out his TikTok page.
1: It's awesome. Yeah, Pete, no, it's no, really. It's you could just say TikTok. You don't have to say page. No, no, uh,
0: no, no, no. It's called TikTok page because he's Pete LePage.
1: Oh, fuck. <laughs> Got it. Nice, uh, the uh, but I so I really like like getting because um, I'm on the side of this actress like it <laughs> sucks what she's going through.
2: So you're and I also think well, no,
1: I, mean, I am and I am, but I do think though that she <laughs> she she and these people who are coming to rob her actually. Are in agreement on most things, um, mm-hmm. so I think that's where the story is going to go next. So it's nice to really get that sort of laid out from two very opposing sides, and to see them presumably start to agree on some things in the next couple issues will be cool.
0: Minor threats number one from Dark Horse Comics, written by Patton Oswald and Jordan Bloom, the team behind Modok, Marvel's Modok, and art by Scott Hepburn. In this issue, we're meeting a new superhero world where. I assume we don't get a ton of details about it, but it seems like the main Superman style character has killed somebody um, or has somebody killed, excuse me, by his main supervillain goes a little amok and it sends the world upside down. We're focusing on one character who seems to be a minor supervillain who runs a bar, who gets stuck in the middle of this. What do you guys think about this kickoff?
2: This was great. I love the art. I love the storytelling. Very cool uh, kind of world we get to kind of be a part of. I had a great time with this. I was really impressed with it.
1: I would say I the, the Insomniac, who is the hero there, uh, who has sort of done this, it feels like the Batman of this universe to me. Um, I'm not sure, uh, I guess, because we, we shall see. But, um, yeah, I really like this. It, it's really well layered. We sort of meet this character in a classic supervillain villain bar hangout situation i was Mm -hmm. like "Ah, i have seen this before um where are we going with this and then it really deepens in a great way the world is really interesting it feels like it's reflecting villains dealing with heroes that are getting darker and then being like oh this is bad for us we're mostly goofing around (laughs) um and uh so i really like that i like our main character and i really like sort of the way we land at the end of the issue plus moving forward and the art's good
0: Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, number two from Marvel, written by Gene Lun Yang, art by Marcus Toe In this issue, an organization is an MI6 or it's some yeah. other. Yeah, it's MI6, MI6 is after the Ten Rings and they put a little bit of a feint on Shang-Chi in order to get them. This is a very James Bond spy style issue. I'm continuing to have a lot of fun with this book, but what about you guys?
2: Yeah, agreed. This is just kind of like a badass uh, Shang-Chi book where, uh, you know, got to save the day working its way through the levels, kind of classic, getting ready for the big boss battle. And of course, the big boss kind of fight is this fun kind of like hand that's a blade type of thing. I I love this. This is just classic, but also really great to see. And the arts, uh, you know, super intense at times. Uh, I love it.
1: What I like about this is Shang-Chi is sort of like Oh man, Uh, just sort of really down to earth All the time, he's just trying to deal with his regular Problems, he's like, I really like this girl We had a thing, didn't work out And then he keeps getting screwed by The superhero world He doesn't want the rings, someone else wants The rings, a lot of rings to juggle I can barely keep track of my one wedding ring So Mm -hmm. it's like uh, Ten ten rings, ten Mm -hmm. marriages Oof, because these are Ten wedding rings, right? Nope. If yeah. I misjudge this, yes. yeah. yeah,
0: it's uh, ten brides for one shang is what it is.
1: Oh wow! See, that's a lot. That's a lot to deal with. Too much to juggle. A lot of relationships. Um, but uh, I, I do like the sort of down to earth nature of this and the fun superhero action. It's uh, well done, I think. Olympus
0: Rebirth number one from DC Comics, written by Becky Cloonan and Michael W. Conrad, art by Caitlin Yarsky. In this issue, Hippolyta has headed to Olympus and is dealing with the machinations of the Greek gods. Um, what did you think? What,
2: what are you guys I, thinking? I was How really, I was really impressed with this. I thought this was a really great issue. Uh, I, I was thought the story was super strong, amazing art. Uh, I I really recommend this comic. I think the paneling and the character designs are, are solid gold. This is just this is a, this is a quality uh, comic right here. First issue that got me excited. Uh, Michael W. Conrad and Becky Cloonan have like really put a lot
1: of uh, left their mark on the Wonder Woman universe. And they continue to sort of expand out, not just from like Diana's story into this sort of larger, almost rewriting or uh, a new understanding of the uh, the gods here. And this plays almost like a reality show where it's like different gods just sort of hanging out and Hippolyta sort of encounters them and they're like in various varying degrees of like caring about what's going on and not giving a shit. Um, And it gets sort of into, it gets a little darker and deeper as the issue goes on. I almost wanted to tilt a little further into that reality show thing of them being, having some more courtroom, Not courtroom, but uh, like uh, the court drama of the court Mm -hmm. uh, type type action where they're just arguing over different things. And Hippolytus sort of uh, floats through and finds her way. Um, But uh, sort of resetting the table for the Greek gods in the DC universe is really cool.
0: Yeah, I I agree with you. I thought this was a great one one shot. Agree on Becky Clinton and Michael W. Conrad just really making their mark as well. Would have wanted to see more of it as an ongoing series similar to the Artemis Wanted thing that came no, out recently. No, yeah. Both really yeah, yeah. good ideas. And I understand it's tough to vastly expand a part of the DC universe. Yeah, but, it's hard. But these are two really good one-shots that I think would be very cool as ongoing series, and I would love to see more of them. Also, shout out to Caitlin Yarsky, who is yeah. very quickly becoming when I see her name, that's a title I want to read. She just draws really, yeah. really good Really Often great it, character designs. Exactly.
1: On, on the, no. Yeah. No. Um, I also love when you see Fucking, someone giving Fuck the,
2: you, man. What? What? That's, that's what I said. I said really great character designs. You were like, oh, and also really great character designs. Come on, okay, guys. Don't have, have, fight. Don't fight. Well, we all have. We're agreeing. You're what literally did, uh, mad what about me. you guys me think agree? about the character designs? Because I really <laughs> like
1: those. I thought when someone good. offers <laughs> you a knife that's all crooked on the blade, it's a fucked up knife. Mm-hmm. You go to so If you come to my house And you're like Let's eat some steak And I'm like Here's your knife And it's got a bunch of wiggles in it <laughs> Something bad's about to happen As yeah. happens in this book Is why I say that That's uh When you're also When you're like Perched on top of the knife. bookcase Just crouch there Being
0: like Here's your knife
1: <laughs> I made your steak medium rare And there's a blue cheese dipping sauce Cut it with this crooked
2: knife
0: <laughs> Now I'm hungry Radiant Black, number 17, from Image Comics, written by Kyle Higgins and Joe Clark. Art by Marcelo Costa. As our, I want to say main character, but that's not exactly correct, lies dying. Our other main character steps into the fold and becomes Radiant Black once again in a big twist. And now they're both Radiant Black by the end of the issue. Yes. Love it. Look at
1: the double Darkhawk situation. Something that we've been waiting for for so long.
0: Great. I love how they keep changing this up. I love how they keep throwing twists here at this stinger at the end. The cliffhanger is so good as making me
2: dying for more love of this book. Yeah, I mean, this continues to kick so much ass. Uh, amazing art. Love the storytelling. A lot of twists and turns. Just really impressive how this continues to build. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, like, we we keep talking about this universe as sort of taking risks, but while also just keeping a strong base of, like, uh, narrative drive and uh, the type of stories that I want to be told in this comic. Um, you see them continuing to talk about the other titles in the universe and sort of really working on that side of it, which is really cool. But at this core, this being the core title... Really, like Alex is saying, continues to surprise and uh, to see these two characters working together. It's like, oh, great. Like it, we, we, it felt for so long like they weren't ever going to do something like this. And to have it is really satisfying.
0: Stranger Things Kamchatka, number four from Dark Horse Comics, written by Michael Morrissey, art by Todor Ristov. This is finishing up the story that doesn't exactly lead up to Stranger Things season four, but certainly explains some of the backstory of the vicious prison that was present there. Uh, I know we've said this almost every issue, but as we're wrapping up with this last issue, this is, I think, my favorite Stranger Things miniseries because it is perfectly (laughs) captured... The feeling of the show with entirely new characters.
1: How do you? Yeah, you know, to to have them really create new characters is maybe a stronger choice in the Stranger Things world. Uh, We've talked about some of the other uh, stories where it feels like. Oh, this doesn't really quite capture Stranger Things when we're using some of the, uh, the characters, actual characters from the show. So I think this is cool. And like everyone watched Stranger Things and were like, I want to know some backstory on the prison. <laughs> and this is the comic book that gives it to you. Yep. Um, so um, I'm being uh, flip about it, but I agree with you. It is a good Stranger Things story.
2: This is, yeah, I, I mean, uh, Stranger Things is an unbelievable phenomenon. The comic is doing a great job of capturing that and just uh, giving more, which is what people want after they've just watched an amazing show. I've been constantly impressed with this comic, and it still delivers uh, very cool what what they kind of explore in this issue. Uh, Fucked up in some parts, but man, really awesome art and uh, impressive storytelling.
0: Defenders Beyond, number two from Marvel, written by Al Ewing, art by Javier Rodriguez. In this issue, our new Defenders, picking up from the cliffhanger of the last issue, have encountered the Beyonder, and in fact, all of the Beyonders, and get into a big battle with them this issue. I'm loving this. Uh, This is great. The Javier Rodriguez's art in particular is so good. I'm eating up these pages. How are you guys feeling about it?
1: Pete's going to love this book. Pete, this is a huge Pete book. Pete loves the Beyonders talking about being being beyond.
2: I mean, you know, you wonder about when you go into Bed Bath and Beyond what mm-hmm. what it means and I think you really grasp this. No, but I in all seriousness. No, no, this, keep is, going with it. this is an amazing book <laughs> and it's tripped out in all the right ways. It's really impressive, these panels and the the kind of uh, design of them uh in in a way that's uh, not only impressive but fun, and uh, yeah, this is just a beautifully drawn and colored, and uh, I, I, it's just
1: awesome. Um, I mean, this book ha- was on the border. I mean, I really like Al Ewing, but this was on the border of like, okay. It's a little too chatty, even for your boy JT, who loves a chatty book. Yeah, and I was like, let's do some stuff here a little bit. Because it truly was one long sort of uh, conversation about what it means to be a Beyonder. It was like the Beyonder's like, just flexing on him for a huge portion of it. I mean, like, look at me. I'm over here. I'm over here. I'm laying down. I'm standing up. Look what I can do. And I like I like this book. And I, the art is fantastic and matches with the writing in, in a fantastic way. But I'm ready for some uh, movement, which I think we get at the end of the issue. This is a little bit of a hot tip, but if you want to order some
0: stuff that's off the beaten path at Bed Bath and Beyond, ask to see the Secret Wars menu. <laughs> <laughs> Action Comics number 1046 from DC Comics, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, art by Fico Osio and David Lapham. In this issue, this is I not am- exactly the final issue of the War World saga, but it's the final issue in the. Action Comics, before we kick it over to War World Apocalypse, the end of this storyline. It's all come
2: down to this. Pete, take it away. Damn, this comic is fun. I mean, PKJ is just killing this. this. This is just such a legendary Superman run now. I mean, just whoa. I tear through this, like just the like the excitement as I'm reading. It makes me read faster. It's really impressive. Wow. The page turning excitement that this brings out. And I love this Mad Max Superman. This is just uh, this is a great time.
1: Um, I mean, I agree. This run has been epic to Take Superman, pull him so far out of uh, any normalcy of a Superman story, and somehow find a way to come back to the core principles of Superman and have him sort of gleam even brighter than he ever has uh in sort of recent memory i think is so good especially like the fact that this run is going so well for clark kent and we have over in the other titles um uh, john kent and all of that really like at peak superman like i i feel like this is almost a superman renaissance
0: Mm. Sins of the Black Flamingo, number three, from Image Comics, written by Andrew Wheeler, art by Travis Moore. In this issue, the Black Flamingo, who has killed the last issue, surprise, comes back to life. And is now stuck in, it looks like, a love triangle between an angel and a golem. Uh, (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I mean, what more do you want out of comics? This is delightful.
1: Yeah, I mean, this comic really, like takes some like from the first issue I was like what is this and then it takes some big swings but really like pays them off like it has uh, it earns both the romance side as well as the more fantastical side uh, at the same time there's like this whole like uh, gentleman thief side to it um, that that uh, somehow gels together into this comic that is um, just very different and um, I like it
2: yeah it's super creative a lot of fun characters. Uh, I love the uh, person who doesn't even look up with, from what they're reading to hose off somebody in the tub. This is fun stuff. The death tub, the resurrection yeah. tub. Well, I mean, you call it what you want, but you know that's the Bed Bath Beyond special number five
0: mm, on wow. the Secret Wars yeah. menu. Star Wars- tub. Hyperspace Stories, number one, from Dark Horse Comics, written by Amanda DiBert, art by Lucas Marangon. This is a all-ages comic set in the Star Wars universe. Here we're getting a lead story set back in Clone Wars times, I believe, if my timeline is correct. <laughs> Seems and, that way. Uh, it's fun. It's cute. I had a good
2: time. What about you dudes? I agree. It's like Star Wars, but cuter and more fun. Oh, Justin? okay.
1: Uh, let me say because I agree with all that all the way up until the end, of I was like, Jesus, <laughs> "Such a dark turn." Spoiler. Not, not only I'm not spoiling spoiling what happens, but there's sort of Mobbies. a like fucked up moment for one character. Don't, don't spoil it. I'm not spoiling anything, but Stop then it. like. Then there's all this, like, references to stuff that is so dark in the Star Wars mythology. That was, like, for an all-ages title where it's like, look at this. We're all in a little romp with characters you know who you know are going to keep on going after this. And then you're like, oh, that's the end? (laughs) Uh, wow. So I was um, surprised by sort of the um, very intense underpinnings that we landed on here.
0: But I appreciate that. I don't know, some all-ages the stories and some of the best ones do get a little dark, so I appreciate that take on the writing. I think if you have a kid, maybe they're not going to pick up on that stuff, and you as an adult reader read it and be like, oh no,
2: but... The children will enjoy it too. Yeah, hopefully I mean, the kids aren't smart enough to pick up on it. You know what I mean? You, well, uh, that's, that's what you want That's dead.
1: That. And no. also, that's not a, you can't rely on that. And I'll tell this, you what, here's I'm,
0: my pull quote: Give
1: this comic to your dumbest kid, <laughs> <laughs> and only your dumbest kid. Uh, dumbest but I do kid. think the the thing that happens at the end of this book, you're not going to miss it. <laughs> no. It's the story. It's what <laughs> <laughs> happens, and it is terrifying.
0: Yeah. All right, let's move it on to something that's a little calmer and easier to talk about. The Department of Truth, number 20, from Image is Comics, it? written by James the Fourth, art by Martin Simmons. The huge twist that happened, I think, in the last issue is our main character's boyfriend found out about the Black Hats and the Department of Truth uh. and a bit of stuff going on. This issue, he is getting a tour and getting even deeper into things, setting up a very emotionally tense showdown, potentially, between the two of them. Yeah. Good stuff. Dark stuff, but good stuff.
1: I love huh? this book and this book has a way of like tell it's been sort of slowly telling its story over these first 20 issues. 20 issues, yeah. And and in this issue, they 20 20, issue. 20, 20 issues.
2: This is the 20th issue.
1: <laughs> but as, as these issues have sort of gone on, there's 20. They keep they keep telling and retelling the say, the story in a way that reinforces the central organizing principle of this story that the more you say something the more true it
2: becomes essentially. exactly and 20, and so 20, so the, 20 inches. is when does when does that start fucking with you you know what i mean where you're well, reading it and then you're realizing like <laughs> oh wait i'm now contributing to this because i'm soaking it in and starting to believe it
1: well but i but i lo- it's a very strange T- way to tell the story to sort of tell us pieces and then tell us the full story with all those pieces and then adding a piece like in the middle or dropping in a detail sort of here and there. It's all sort of scattershot in a way um, that I think that feels intentional and it works and okay. it seems it's sort of counterintuitive that I would like something that is, is sort of telling and retelling itself as we're reading it. But it really works the tension is that's strong. what's so great fantastic. It. yeah, that's what I'm saying. like it's it's sort of telling us the story of the premise while also oh, no. make doing the premise in this at the same time, which I think is really impressive. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, why don't we move on talk about the Shailen cowboy Cruel to be kin number four from Dark Horse Comics by Jeff Darrow in this issue. We're heading to the big old city where our shell and Cowboy is hanging out with his two lizard friends in an apartment, just having a gay old time, having, having a lot of fun here. Um, this is wild, this yeah. book. Pete, I know you love it, so why don't you talk about it first?
2: I, I'm, uh, I'm sorry, I didn't get a chance to talk enough about Department of Truth. I'm sorry, I froze there before. Uh, but uh, You froze
1: emotionally? Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. I did freeze emotionally. I because just, you
0: realized it was issue number 20.
2: Yeah. No, I was just uh, just to jump off what Justin was saying, though, of like making this point of like there's a fine line between preachy and like making a point that like the readers discovering with the people in the book. And it is done so well here. And it's also, you know, saying a lot about, you know, you know we're in this world of technology and podcast and uh, news and all these other places than places that are supposed to be the news and these opinions and these things can form and kind of warp our thoughts and it's very interesting that like what's factual versus just said enough times, people then start to believe. So it's a it's a fucked up, crazy ride that I'm didn't think I'd be enjoying, but it's been really impressive how they're pulling it off. And the art is tripped out in ways that I wasn't prepared for. But man, it's so good. Uh, Pete, so, we, yeah. we
1: moved we moved on from that comic forty five minutes ago. <laughs> I'm What's sorry, I, happening.
2: I'm sorry, I was frozen and I couldn't talk. So I'm is uh, I'm that a little... the truth, Pete, or is that no. the department? The d- yeah, check with the department. Uh but uh I'm wearing a black hat sh- right now. Oh boy. Uh, so oh, the um yeah, yeah, you're the uh, beacon deacon. I get it. So, anyways, I think that with this um, wandering kind of uh, monk Buddhist uh, thing that we the, got the on the and cowboy cruel cool to be
1: kid number four. Yes, thank by you, Jeff thank Darrow. You,
2: thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, this is becoming a little bit more interesting. Before it was just kind of like this guy who seemed indestructible walking the earth and fucking people up. So what? now we're it's who getting, are
0: you? What Wait, are you what? talking
2: about? And I'm just saying it has more plot. There's more meaning to it than just somebody... Oh, my God. This is just changing kind of-
0: everything that I knew about you, Pete. I
2: can't believe... Just to repeat,
0: reiterate, because I don't know if you heard yourself. I- you, Pete LePage, <laughs> were just like... I don't know. The first couple of issues, it was just this dude wandering the earth, fucking shit up and killing people in the most graphically violent way possible. And now, finally, there's a plot and some emotional
2: heft to it. I'm way more into it now. What happened? Is this is well, this the real P? No, I'm just saying that there is the, you can enjoy the first part of what I said and it doesn't have to be a second part, but here we're getting a second no, part and it's very interesting. Okay. That's all I'm saying. Just, I'm P still the same guy. I no, love just the, you know you just love text pages
1: now. No. When no. when that when Pete froze, a new Pete has emerged. <laughs> I can guarantee that this is not the Pete we've known. <laughs> oh, Wait, we're, we're doing
0: this on Zoom. I don't know if uh, people on audio podcast know this. There's a weird cocoon right behind you that I don't think nah, is there. The,
1: when you and it's just like burst out, it's like opened yeah. uh, So like Yeah, there's a Pay, it looks pay like no a a pus- a yeah, pay attention <laughs> to my husk Yeah, don't pay attention to my husk, alright Don't look at the peat skin hanging up yeah, behind Yeah. Um, th- I mean, this this comic w- Is is very strange The art's fantastic uh, yeah. From Jeff Darrow A lot of cut Fantastic sound or randos. something Yeah um, I don't, okay How dare you uh, it was, I, I actually considered it a statement it
2: was just a statement. Uh, <laughs> well, I think you're understating how magical this art is. I mean, that panel where you kind of—it's like you see the people he sliced and killed through in like this kind of still stop motion thing. It's don't really try impressive. to impersonate old Pete, new
1: Pete.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you like the emotional underpinnings of what happened to the lizards. That's what got uh-huh. you, right? Yeah, Man, that lizard shit was
2: fucked up. It was it fucked was up. was very
0: upsetting. Um, yeah. I'll tell you what, though. I love the first three issues because just the purity of wandering the desert and fucking <laughs> shit up and killing people. And yes. We now they got to complicate with all this plot and emotional stuff. I'm like, come on. Wait, Alex, dude, what's, that, what's, that,
1: what's that husk behind you? <laughs> You're this next, is great. Justin. The Jeff
0: O'Dara art is great. I don't know exactly what's going on, but it's so weird. I continue to be interested. I hate this place. Number four from Image Comics, written by Kyle Starks. Art by Art Yum Toplin. And I don't know if I've said this before, but I love this
2: book. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, I also love this book. Yes. It's a weird, like it, the, the style and sort of like pacing of it is crazy. Like everything's yeah, bad is. all the time. But, um, we keep, our main characters keep emerging. Um, I like the sort of anything can happen nature of it. And, um, a character dies in this story. And Maybe. I have a feeling we're going to see that character again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, just to give you the background, if you haven't been
0: reading this book, two women inherit a house that turns out not just to be a haunted house, but it's an everything house. Just every supernatural and weird and horrifying thing that you could imagine is happening around the house. In the last issue, they recruited a ghost hunter to help them out, who, while in the woods, encountered the horned man, who is the one thing they were told, uh, if you ever see the horned
1: man run, and that's where we pick Watch up Watch out for the horned man.
0: Yeah, so this is basically a chase through the woods, pretty much the entire issue. Great stuff, great art, funny, weird. Pete, what are you feeling about it?
2: Yeah, I mean I love all the action in this issue. This is just really fun, over the top story, and you know there's no such thing as a free house, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You can think you're getting a free house but it's not going to be free. somebody's Where gonna are you die. staying right now? <laughs> yeah, exactly um, free, but, ha-
1: free house
2: <laughs> Yeah, it's nothing free, free about free drinks, free drinks at the free house <laughs> Yeah um, But I, I yeah, I really love how the tale is just kind of unfolding as we go here We're learning more e- each issue And uh, I'm enjoying the heck out of it this. this is really fun And, you know, there's a lot of twists and turns along the way I but, love
1: this place
2: Oh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> the Loads of Hunters, number three, from Dark Horse Comics by Tyler
0: Crook. In this issue, our main character is dealing with the Ravens, who really messed up his life. Oh, man. And we take it to the next level of this adventure. Justin, I know you love this
1: one, so why don't you take it away? I love this. Uh, Tyler Crook. I'm changing my name to Justin Tyler Crook because I <laughs> love this <laughs> book. Wow, you're uh, going to or- uh, Justin yeah.
0: Tyler Crook loves this book. You're going to steal his name.
1: That's right. I'm gonna uh, take it right away, or I'm just gonna go become Justin Tyler, comma crook, by stealing this book from uh, the stands because that's how much I love it. Um, it follows the, these two sort of unlikely partners. A disgrace. Oh, classic, classic tale. Classic uh, tale. Sort of a Riggs and Murtaugh for the modern right. age. Uh, no, it's a uh, a disgraced occult uh, figure um, and a, a girl who just – her the members of her family keep getting killed and she has no one to uh, protect her. They come together and uh, – just what the other needed. The art is fantastic and I love the sort of unlikeliness of both of these uh, heroes. It is really cool and they keep messing up all the time. And the ravens are scary.
2: Yeah, I mean uh- – I Justin undersold the art a little bit it's really i so no I
1: sold the art illegally, I, and that's why I'm a crook i'm Justin okay. Tyler a crook
2: all right well anyways, it's almost like this watercolor it is beautiful and really haunting in certain ways. uh the ravens are super crazy and creepy, uh but I love the story. I love where this is going at first, I was kind of unsure, but now that this thing is picking up, I'm having a blast with it and uh It's this is a really fun, unbelievable book.
1: Birds, you know, birds are creepy, but ravens. Has anyone ever like really written about how ravens are creepy? Because that's a good bird. To that's a good bird to tackle.
0: Man, I don't know. Were they ravens in Dumbo? Was that? Were those the birds? Uh, Don't bring up those birds, Alice. (laughs) Why? (laughs) No, No. I don't know if you've seen that movie. No, never seen it. Beware the Eye of Odin, number three from Image Comics, written by Doug Wagner, art by Tim O'Dled. In this issue, our main characters are fighting a bunch of trolls and stuff and things are going on like that. Pete, talk about it. You love this book. You do oh my love gosh. this book.
2: Okay, so this you want to talk about action. You want to talk about fun. I mean, this is just holy shit. Uh, just to be shit. real quick, I'd prefer not to talk about either of those
1: things. Okay. Or
2: fun. I don't want fun at all right now. Mm-hmm. All right. The, the kind of build in this comic is glorious. The, the Valkyries are just fantastic. It's just one of those things where uh, I just... Uh, at first, I was like, oh, this is weird. I really love the guy who's got an anvil uh, for an arm on a chain. This is really badass. I'm into it, but this is doing a great job of building the story, building the action. They kind of tra- take on all these trolls, and it looks bleak. Uh, but man, it's just, uh, this is really awesome comic.
1: Pete's Peak, it looks bleak, but it's a real treat. I think is what we're saying here. Um, I, uh, this feels, I I said this earlier, like a a story that you come up with it when you're a kid and then like finally get the chance um, as a professional to make into a comic. And that really translates here. Uh, Some uh, sad stuff happens, but I guess we'll see. I'm surprised to hear that the next issue is the last. Yeah, Yeah, this is
0: really a delightful world. The art is great, like you guys have been saying. I've been having a fun time reading this. Sad to see it go, but I love watching it leave. And that is what? it for don't what? Make it, don't make it creepy at the end what? there. I want to f- fuck this book, man. Oh, wow. uh, <laughs> if you want to support our podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. <laughs> oh also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast on YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about comic books. Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast Betty Moore. Until next time, we'll see you at the comic book
1: shop. So I just got to make a quick phone call. Uh, yep, yeah, one uh, cookie piss delivered. To <laughs> <the paper. laughs> oh, it's where you—it's where you make the ice cream out of piss. So just oh, one of those delivered. Good. It can be a little bit melty delivered. Hey to Justin, paper. if you're on the
0: ha- uh, if you're on the phone, can you order
1: two hams as well? Two, two hams? Wow, for that's wow. <laughs> you want me to order my own for birthday you, yeah. present? <laughs> Alex, come on, <laughs> come on. <laughs>
2: Get off!